for those of you who have never joined before, this is a live episode of Contingent Workforce Radio brought to you by Utmost. Utmost gives you visibility over your extended work workforce, whether it be headcount tracking, sourcing, engaging, and optimizing spend for any category of external worker. If you're interested in learning more about Utmost, we'll have a demo uh, next week on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Um, Pacific. I dropped that link in the chat if you're interested, but today is a live episode of Contingent Workforce Radio where we interview people who are leading contingent workforce programs and getting their insights on best practices. Today we have Greg from Southwest Airlines, and I'm going to pass it over to Erica to kind of begin the show, but if you have any questions during any time, there's a little Q&A box, so please feel free to drop in any questions over there. We can always drop in any chat as well, and we'll be trying sure to answer your questions throughout the show. Thanks. Excellent. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining in. Excited. As always, Erica Novak, Kenna Client Services here for Utmost, but a longtime contingent workforce practitioner and nerd when it comes to non-employees and total talent, and so... Really excited to have Greg join us. So why don't you give a little introduction of, of who you are and your background, Greg? Sure. No, thanks for having me. Excited to, to participate. So Greg Muccio, I'm the Director of Talent Acquisitions for Southwest Airlines to lead all talent acquisition at this point in time. But my first kind of leadership role was cutting my teeth in developing our contingent program that, that we now have in at, at Southwest. But I've been at Southwest for little over 19 years now. So, so real excited, excited to be here and have this conversation. One of the reasons I'm excited about our conversation today is not only because you're one of my favorite CW people because we cause mischief at the conferences, but because you're really living what so many people think is impossible, too hard, too big to attempt, not a big priority. And that's the idea of really just looking at talent holistically, not just employees or contingent the idea of looking at them together and how you build programs together. And so that's what we're going to be talking today. And so to get started and just to help ensure that people understand, can you share a little bit how your current Southwest Talent Acquisition Program is and your team is organized and the roles and responsibilities and how they're broken up? Yeah. So I have probably about somewhere around 12 groups, right? And so we have responsibility for all full-time hiring regardless of the role. So you will see, and those can be, you know, broken up by your group, whether it's employees at the you know, airport or your flight attendant, pilot, mechanics, all through that piece, you know, so any, you know, kind of your operating group. And then, you know, when it comes to corporate, we, we have every kind of role that, that most corporations have, have, you know, a large internal technology team, but, you know, finance, marketing, you know, HR, you know, you kind of name it, sales. So we have, I have a group that, that, you know, biggest bulk of what I do handles that group. And there's, there's, you know, specific roles that are within there. Then I have a, the next other big umbrella, I guess you would say is, is a programs team, which that's my contingent team is up underneath there. And, and ours is, you know, I, I think ours is special in a way that it's, we are an internally managed program, but we actually do quite a bit of self-sourcing, about 50% of our staff log is, is we find it ourselves, but also in the program team, we, that's where, you know, any of our specialty hiring like veterans come, we have a really robust intern campus recruiting program, K through 12 types of initiatives, that's where the sourcing team lies, so that's kind of a, a nice overview of, of us. And I, and I like that, so I remember when you were talking last week, you'd mentioned 
you guys call yourself like the one team, one team. Yeah. Can you dive into a little bit of that? Yeah. I mean, so as, as you know, as I began to, to got that opportunity to take on more responsibility, you know, and move towards being able to lead the entire TA structure, you just, you know, you would see just there just become some natural lines or silos that happen with, with groups and one of the things when we established the, the SWAT staffers, which is our contingent program team, we, we, we basically took an approach because we were taking it internally. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of third parties, whether it's an on-site or MSP. And I, you know, initially when I set it up, I said, folks, we're going to run this like it's a service. And that was, I want the, the thought processes that every year our, you know, president CEO, Gary Kelly, like we, we get determined whether or not they're going to renew our contract. I said, that's how we have to act in order to actually pull this off. We can't take the, hey, we're internal and so you have to come to us or whatever. We really wanted to treat that. And as, as I was able to, as, you know, as my career grew and there was more and more pieces, we just kind of kept bringing people into the fold and just where it was just like, hey, there's just, there's just one team, right? And you have different pieces, but we're going to win and lose together. And everyone has different roles, but you're, you know, your role as a corporate recruiter is you are no more special and or valuable than my recruiter that is, you know, hiring our most entry level ramp agent roles or that's doing, you know, our campus or that's doing contingent. It's just that that's just not how I was going to lead or, or let people play. And so we just kind of adapted that and, and really then kind of grew to where it's just like, Hey, we were, we need to protect, you know, let's act like we are a service organization that has one client, Southwest Airlines, and has been hired to handle all their talent acquisition needs. And that, you know, once again, with that same mindset of every year, we're going to have to produce our results, our SLAs, our efforts, and, you know, and, and act of whether or not our contract would get renewed. No, I love that. And you had talked about a little bit about your talent strategy goal then. So your talent strategy goal for your entire recruiting team then became? Yeah, that then came this, this total talent acquisition. And we've been on the journey. I mean, there's, you know, maybe some folks on the call that, you know, wherever a conference was or whatever, five plus years ago that we began to talk about this a bit. And just just really saw it. And I think, you know, one of the things is we just really certainly saw from, from a recruiting perspective, from a TA perspective, initially on the contingent side of things, that that was talent, right? And that's what you had to look at. It. And there was a war. There was, you know, that all those things existed just the same. And it was a very, very competitive market. And also that our brand, our employment brand, our, and, and so forth, also could be used in that. And so, that was just the journey and we kind of began to go down that and, and, you know, at kind of at the end of last year, beginning of this year, kind of really did that work. Like, Hey, we're, we're going to be, we're going to have this approach of total talent acquisition for Southwest. No. And I love that. Cause you had mentioned the, really the goal is for your recruiters to share that talent strategy with the business. And as part of that, as you're advising them on whether to consider all the classification types, so you mentioned employee, temp worker, temp to hire, interns, entry level, bulk, 
and really having the recruiters work with the business specifically on which classification did they think made the most sense? Not just, right, let's open an employee rec and push employee versus versus others. And so, again, I think that's exciting. And I think a lot of program managers are asking, like, how do I do that? How do I kind of formalize formalize that into a recruiter's mindset? Yeah, I joked early on that it's just like, hey, what we know is they need to get work done and they need a human to do it. So let's figure out the best way to go get that for them based on you know, a lot of different circumstances and let's just treat it holistically and, and begin to kind of blend that together. So you'd mentioned two different pieces. One was the strategic piece of having the recruiter share and then one was a tactical piece. Can you break those down? Let's start with the strategic piece. Yeah, I, I think the strategic piece of it, right, is when, you know, and, and, and you know, obviously the land, hiring landscape with what's happening with COVID and the pandemic is, is changing quite a bit, right? But when you, you know, as we were last two to three years with the way the hiring market was, you know, part of it was just, you know, there was an effectiveness and an efficiency, right? So the ability to mix and match talent, right? To sit there and go, you know, oh, hey, you know, Erica, you're a hiring leader and, and we've determined it's a contingent, but I just actually get a full time. And so now I have a silver medalist that we could put over there or vice versa or whatever it is. And, 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 and be able to have that says, okay, I understand you need to get work done. Let's advise you on what the market's looking like. Let's understand what you're trying to do here. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, you know, you're in an area that's a proof of concept. And so the head counts, not for sure. So, okay, that's where maybe the attempt to hire and we can, you know, if we self source it, we can really make sure that there's a great, great Southwest fit and, and everyone's ready for that. And then it's just a matter of when, you, when you've gotten to that point and can cross the line, we can convert. So there's that piece. So, so it, it, it becomes just, you know, and having the recruiters be just that true talent advisor, you know, you need to know how the market is for all these different things and what that kind of looks like. So there's that piece of it then, you know, it, it obviously is also a really, you know, sidebar, a great piece for the candidate experience as well, because, you know, in can you know, to have a conversation with a candidate that, hey, you weren't selected here. However, we, you know, there are some other types of opportunities, you know, it just makes those things better. And then really the, the, the huge catalyst for it for me was just, you know, once again, you know, then, then with the customers, but it does really, you know, the, the pressure that it does put on the TA team is to be fully knowledgeable about that space and, and knowledgeable enough that they can truly give advice. And then to talk about the tactical piece, maybe, yeah. maybe go, let's go historically. What was your team before and what, yeah. what is now? So talk about like the efficiencies that you found in the before and after. Yeah. So, you know, if you, you look at the three big pillars, right, of full-time contingent, and when I talk about contingent, so staff aug, we, you know, we averaged, just, and I saw this question, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it for folks, but I, you know, we average around 6,000 external hires per year, 1,500 to 2,000 kind of internal movement, a good six to 800 purely staff aug, and then the last couple of years up to like 400 interns for the full year. And so, you know, you, if you are a hiring leader, you know, you're Erica, you're the hiring leader and you need a need for all three before, 
you would be in a situation where you would have to meet with all three of those teams separately, independently, which means you're explaining your preferences, what's important to you, those kind of things. So that's not, that's not great on you. But then the back end of it became even worse because then there's just a disconnect between the big picture of what's going on. And, and so, you know, where you would see it manifest itself a lot was really in our intern hiring where we would have interns that were great, but then there's not, and there's an open spot, but they're not a good fit for that open spot. And it, and it was because the crossover wasn't necessarily there. There wasn't this bigger picture that says, hey, I'm actually gonna have two entry level spots. Let's make sure that as we bring in interns that, that, that they're not just like who we want to be around us for 13 weeks, but can they fill those spots? So those was huge. And I always would use the analogy of, you know, because I, you know, that met with resistance initially, even to my own team. And I said, so let's think about it this way. You know, Erica, you're, you're going out to eat with your husband and, and your little one. And, and let's just say you're, you're super high maintenance on the food that you get, or you have, allergy you know the kid has allergies or whatever and you go to a nice restaurant that it's the equivalent of if there was somebody you had one waiter that did your drinks and appetizers another waiter that did your entree and then a third waiter that did your desserts right and and after dinner drinks and that each and every time you had to explain how you like something cooked or that you were allergic to this or whatever your preferences were that just would not be that awesome of an experience and so that now, what it doesn't mean that somebody can't deliver the food to you, like, you know, jumping in and being agile and helping out, but to, but to have that. And so I likened it the same way. And so that's where we kind of built it, where it's like, hey, let's have that one source that you can have the one conversation about your hiring needs for the year or quarter or whatever, you know, makes the most sense. And then that person can then use the, the, the contingent team or the intern team or even the sourcing team to to then cast the vision of here's what we need and how we need to do it. But but the the hiring team, the hiring leaders only had to explain themselves once. And and you know, once again, if it's like, hey, I this is I always want my folks to meet with these three people. Well, imagine, you know, now I don't have to explain that each and every time you know, that I can sit there and say, hey, yeah, we're bringing in this intern for a final interview or this, you know, contingent, you know, this contractor, this is who they need, this is the process that they want to have happen. So really, really, that was a really big cap. Oh, and, and I think that's such a great analogy because everyone's been to a restaurant. And I think everyone recognizes that would be the biggest waste of time and be frustrating infuriating. So the nice thing is like the logic's there. Right. And so when I think about this CW industry, they all kind of say that, yeah, that makes sense. You know, operational efficiency, one person, they know all that. Where I think a lot of the questions come from, but how? Because typically when you're thinking about recruiters, they are so, so gung-ho about I'm being measured on employee recs first, regardless, right. or I'm a contingent specialist. I understand what working with vendors are, but actually haven't done it. So what I think would be great is talk about how you just started the process of cross training the teams and bringing them together, knowing that it's a journey. It's not a take a class and you're done type of exercise. Right. 
Yeah, definitely. It is a really slow. I think you got to really take it slow. Where we were, where we were blessed, we we had a little opportunity to move some of this organically. So as I mentioned, our our contingent staffing team, I had it was at the time when they were solely focused on that. It was a team of like seven or eight, with four of the roles actually being recruiters, and actually all of them would always typically be former agency recruiters, right? So they really were very, very good at that and dealing with the vendors and every piece that was there. Well, as part of career growth started happening and as we had openings on the full-time side, some of them moved over, but but then they, they, they kept some of that mantra with them, right? Of saying, hey, well, and, and the communication just organically of like going back to their peer group and saying, hey, I just interviewed someone for a full-time role we selected someone else, but they're awesome. They're a great Southwest fit. If we had two roles, we'd get them. Here they are, because I know so-and-so's got a similar role or whatever. So you begin to see that happening. And then slowly too, with some groups, it was just like, well, it was almost even a request, right? From the leader where it's just like, hey, you know, Greg, you're, you're going to move over here, but we're going to have you keep this customer on the contingent side. You're, you're going to support them full-time but you're going to keep the contingent because the main, it's sort of the main hiring people are very similar. They love you. And so that just kind of doesn't make sense. And we'll figure out a way to be able to do that. And so you organically saw that happen. And then the same began to happen kind of on the intern side, right? As you had some recruiters that grew and, and were able to move into a full-time role, but they still had that passion there and would come in and go, golly, why aren't you we should have hired an intern and, you know, versus like we're going out to market to hire someone that had you just had interns, we probably could have converted them, you know, those kind of things. And so it, part of it started that way. And then it was just a coming on us to begin to kind of connect the dots, add in some of the groups go, okay, let's see if you can do all three. What does that look like? How does that balance workloads? What, you know, and just really be able to take it into into some bite-sized pieces so no and i think that's actually really great advice when you think about okay different program owners are thinking about how could i potentially do it is it a band-aid is it something that i'm doing in a pilot phase is it something right. i need to get formal approval for and so i heard a couple of things i just want to make sure that you know the audience hears is it's okay to start a little bit organically and see how it goes right you the teams can find efficiencies. Now, again, with COVID and being separate, sometimes those efficiencies are harder to see and visible. But yeah, if you have teams and you've done some internal mobility, moving from one team to a different, they have a different mindset that's going to start to blend in. And so even a starting point could be moving some people around and mixing up the teams. Secondly, then becomes the, the idea of saying, okay, switch it around, do it vice versa, but maybe we do it a little bit more thoughtfully and push it, but it wasn't a big bang. And then thirdly became, okay, now we want to put something a little bit more formal. So let's talk about, you had initially said what you first started when you started to kind of put a little bit more formality, like, here's what I want to train, is that you started with saying, everyone should be trained on the VMS. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, when you begin to look down the road for this to ultimately be successful, that, that talent your talent has to be equally knowledge on all three pieces, right? Otherwise it wouldn't work, right? It isn't just that like, hey, 
I'm really good at full-time hiring and I'm just going to be an order taker on the contingent and intern side. And the moment you ask me a question, I panic and then I'm just going to go get this other, you know, so, so part of it was getting them up to speed, right. On those kind of things. So, yeah. So, you know, our first focus was, was on the contingent side and getting slowly getting, you know, groups and training them, you know, on our particular VMS, those kind of processes, working then kind of with what was left at the COE of the contractor team and being able to do that. So kind of getting them there, getting them, you know, a little bit dangerous as you could on some of the laws and some of the, those, those particular things that are, you know, uniquely different, especially when, especially when it comes to self-sourcing, right? Of helping them understand, you know, be, being able to understand, you know, where the relationship was going to differ that, you know, yeah, you may have been talking to this person, but you're not the one that's going to actually go make the job offer to them and, and how those kind of things work. So just, you know, getting them through those pieces that were important. And then I think also for us, um, and this applied for both of them, you know, was we had built, a, you know, in my opinion, a really great reputation for both our contingent program and our intern program. And so there was, you know, some casual reminders from dad about how important and how and, and why that was important. And so where the nuances would be, you know, so on the contingent side, certainly the ability to like, yeah, if, if you are, if it's a role where you're working with the vendors, my expectation, you know, is that the vendors get feedback within 48 hours at the longest. That's, that is not, that's not negotiable for you. So figure it out. So those kind of things. So we did, you know, we did heavy on that piece first. And then the intern piece was a little bit easier. It's more about how kind of the program works and and then just kind of the schools. I think, you know, where, where we had to be able, you know, where some of that balance was, was that, you know, in order to be efficient, you had to know enough about how our intern program works. Because if, you know, Erica, if you were the finance recruiter and you may be going on a campus to, you know, that, that's really strong in finance that, that you're going to go talk to a class or whatever. Well, from an efficiency standpoint, we need you to represent the entire, you know, campus reach program. And so you've got to be, you've got to be knowledgeable enough to know how does the program work? What are our other opportunities? Those kind of things just, just, and represent the other roles that that school could offer, just like someone else, maybe someplace else representing, you know, what you do or whatever. So that was a really big kind of piece of it is really making sure that my recruiters could be credible with, with everybody involved. And jumping in from a question from the audience, Chris, previous guest, were there concerns from the recruiters when they were working on both temp and con temp contractor recs and FTE recs? If yes, how did you address it? I know you kind of touched upon it there, but. Yeah, no, it, you know, you know, if, if, if recruiters, you know, if anything, they have a, a pretty high wine and cheese factor to them at times or whatever. And so, you know, with the workloads that I mentioned, you know, there were times that, and so, you know, where, where we did have, you know, some early on challenges was, it was especially the, the recruiters that the, the, the contingent and the intern piece was the newer piece to them. They tended to just heavily focus on full time, even though it's like, hey, that's my priority. And, and so we just had to kind of go back again and go, no, this is your priority now and reestablish that. 
help them to understand, you know, why all those pieces were important and, and, and explain as well as to like, you know, so for example, on the intern one, it's like, well, they're not hard, but we, we hire to one big class, you know, in the spring and the summer. And so, and, and, you know, they can leave or whatever. So it's like, if you work backwards from like when they have to be prepared and, and, you know, if they're moving and background and all that, it's like, guys, you can't wait that long. So you have like windows or whatever. And so some of it was just going back and educating. And then some of it is, it's just not a conversation. You gotta, you know, once again, kind of, it's not a one and done kind of thing. You're not gonna sit there and go, hey, here's what you're doing. It's there. You've got to see that. You've got to look at the tools. You've got to then, you know, empower the leaders to kind of go, okay, how do, you know, there may be some situations that that recruiter is really the, the full-time customer. It's the timing may have been really horrible where they're slammed. So how do we, how do we scrape this stuff off and be more agile so that all things are still, you know, being done? How do we support, you know, that particular piece? So, so yeah, I think that's the, that's the big kind of key, you know, to it. That, that was probably the hardest part, I think, was just getting them to understand the workload and, and, and also realize that, that not all, while all the recs are important, they're also not all created equally, if that makes sense. And so the, the level of effort that you might have to be putting on a full-time one, you don't on the intern one necessarily from a sourcing perspective. Like that is, you know, we're, we're going to get 10,000 resumes for, you know, 300 spots. You're, you're, it's just a matter of time and screen of getting, you know, that kind of thing. And I think you also mentioned something else when we were last talking about how you really reset the expectations of how recruiters were evaluated. And it was the, it's no longer just time to fill an employee. And if that's what you're looking for in a role, this is no longer the program for you. So can you share, I think this is what the, the, the pertinent of the question is like, you reset how you evaluate and what a good recruiter at Southwest meant for the entire team and kind of said, you guys need to get on board with this. It's not the old school. You wanna share a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and that was probably complemented with, you know, as we were moving into some really new technologies that we were rolling out some some things as well as around candidate experience, which we were just like, hey, this is, you know, here's how some things we're going to do. And, and yeah, there was just some kind of tough love, love moments So just, you know, almost like if you kind of drew one of those maps that says, you know, here's where we're going and you are here. And, and I need you to get like, I'm, we're not, I'm like, I'll make one commitment to you. I'm not going to go backwards. So, so we're leaving and there's, you've got a short amount of time to sit there and, and look at and go, this is where TA is going. This is what I expect of you. This is how we're going to be doing things. And, and, you know, you know, I think it's exciting. You know, I think there's that piece of it too. And, and it's like, yeah, guess what? You're going to, this is how you're going to be thought of. It's a far more, you know, professional approach to what we're doing. However, here is what it's going to take to get it from kind of a skill competency attitude. So you've got to make that commitment. And then, and then if there is a gap, you need to close that gap pretty, pretty quickly. Cause we just, we can't, we can't afford to not have that. So that part was really important. I think too, you know, recruiters a lot of, are really inquisitive, and I, 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 what I have found to be helpful for me 
over my career in the, in the leadership piece of it is just explaining the why to them, really helping them understand that. And when you sat, when you sit down and go, hey, it's going to take a little time to get there. Like it's, it's harder now. Like I get it. But you get these other things flowing, then they become pipelines for you that then make your full-time hiring not nearly as hard. I mean, it, you know, imagine if you every year you could fill five spots from intern conversion and you've already done the work. And so now it's just, it's just it, that's, you know, this, or you've done this work on the contingent side and that person gets converted. Or as you're looking at this, you're moving these pieces around or even the post back of like, even if you didn't have a spot for an intern or a contractor at that point in time, right? But, but a year later or six months later, because you're that one source for that department, you sit there and go, hey, so-and-so's went back to school. They're graduating in the spring. Let's reach out to them and see because we all thought they were awesome. And so part of it is beginning to see kind of that mo momentum where it's like, yeah, even on those kind of metrics, this actually will reduce it faster than anything else I can give you. And so if you will do that, it will pay off for you. But, but you, but you, in order to harvest, you got to plant the seed part and, and do that part first. Right. So. Yeah. No, I like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to read, cause I asked you for a list. I'm not going to ask you to remember this off the cuff on air, but getting back into like the how. So you, I, I love that you talked about like, you got to get them around on the why and you're right. This is because this is a newer type of program. Most employee recruiters are not a buck of resistance, but again, resistance to change. Is this going to be the same? Am I going to be still considered good? So getting them to understand the why and how it's actually helpful, I think is the right way to start. And then we talked about the training, right? What's the how? What are you expecting? So I'm going to read this list so you don't have to recite it, but you had talked about for the intern recruiters, some of the content included uh, reading through process documents, interview guides, intern program information, timelines, FAQs, or re recruiter expectations. There was different trainings that were hosted, you know, four small group sessions for an hour and a half. There's a training timeline. You had go lives, you had resources and senior managers and ongoing support. The lead recruiters would spend three to five hours per week answering questions. And then on the contingent side, the training included the program history, some of the VMS basics, including screenshots, workflows, the roles of engagement, SLAs, program delivery expectations, reference guides, templates, and some vendor one-on-one. -on -one. So it's a lot of information. Yeah. So I, I hit a little bit about the training, but talk about how you approached it. So if you were looking at this in a quarter, six months, or annually, what were the expectations you had on these trainings of your thing at some point? You should have checked all of these things off your list and should be good. What did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, the blessing right of it, right, is that we had, you know, on both of those areas, right, teams that were fully involved in it. And I guess the third piece is, is, is that when we did this, we also had recruiters on the contingent team and the intern team, but that's all they had ever done as well. So they were getting pushed out, including learning the, you know, the full-time side and for the contingent team, you know, they spent time in their v, the VMS. They didn't know the ATS and the full-time hiring pieces. So, so yeah, it was, I think we did a, you know, pretty thoughtful, uh, more of almost a brown bag style with multiple sessions, kind of chunking it up a little bit and seeing it, you know, the beautiful thing was too, is like, 
the SMEs were, were right there, right, where you had had access. But, but you know, I, I think it was, and then, you know, also doing, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, riding, ride along or training wheels is like, hey, you know, you're not, like, it isn't like, hey, good luck. Like, you know, so somebody, we didn't send anybody that had never been campus recruiting to the campus by themselves. They went with somebody that like knew the lay of the land, knew like, hey, what questions to ask could, could be there or whatever as that kind of safety net. But as I said, it, you know, what's really important ultimately for the success on all sides. So, so the first thing, right, is that the, the, the people on the TA need to be, they need to feel confident. And so the more knowledge that they have that, and how those things work is, is important to them. It's, you know, human nature is when you're scared of something or nervous, you, you tend to shut, you know, versus the more knowledge that you have, then you're going to kind of dive, you know, right into it. So I think that that's really important. But then the second piece is depending, you know, what I couldn't, have, you know, what we couldn't afford is, okay, I'm a recruiter and I don't know necessarily how to have this conversation with the vendor perhaps to, to like help you understand what's maybe missing in a candidate so you can do your search better or you're on a campus talking to faculty or students you know they need to know you know hey what are hey our interns get to fly for free on us while they're an intern that's a really cool perk how do you you know how to explain that to them and how those things work or you know obviously you know, same way with on the hiring leader side for them to be able to understand, okay, well, there's certain things are time different. The, some of the process is different because there's all, obviously on the full-time side, there's a lot heavier process, more legal things maybe that we're going to do where the, the, the contingent one's a little bit shorter. Some of the things we don't have to check quite as many boxes. And then the intern piece has more structure around it as far as when they're here and when they're not. And, and, you know, so so it was that part was just really important for folks to feel that they could have that, you know, to be able to have, you know, QRF for them, you know, so that they just kind of truly understood, you know, how that how those pieces work. No, and so my takeaway from that is a couple of things. One is that it's a process and a journey, right? You're gonna setting stage and confidence, you're gonna have a buddy, you're gonna have someone who's gonna be there with you. We're not gonna throw you out here. One, it's good for your career. I heard you mention there's now a different type of professional recruiter who has had experience in all of these who can speak, not just, I've had this in my background, three years as this, three years as this, I'm doing all at one time. So it's a professional growth. Two is that it, it takes a period of time and commitment from everyone, but it doesn't have to be this overly rigid formal type of test. It's gonna be over a certain period of time, but it will be important for the program owners, depending on if the director of a talent acquisition team or working with different partners or setting something up thoughtfully, knowing that recs still need to be filled. So it can't be I'm making this up three weeks of intensive training before anyone starts or in between starts, but, or be but having to think it through, but getting the content together and making sure the folks who are doing it in the day are training the other folks, because again, it's going to help build relationships too. All right, I'll teach you on ATS. You teach me on BMS. You teach me on this or whatnot, but having them versus an external party coming in and being the coach of the trainer. It's your team kind of massaging and helping build your build each other up while they're doing those reps. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and one of the other things that we did that I think helped as well was we did kind of split it too. So we focused on the contingent side first and got everybody up to speed on that. 
and then introduce the intern piece. And that's just because of how it's hired and done. It was, it was just, you know, easier to do, but that way you weren't trying to drink out of two fire hydrants or whatever you could get it. And, and so then it was really like, Hey, where we got to really was by the end of last year, everybody, all recruiters were trained on the contingent and had started to support their various work groups with that. And so we had that. That's the harder one, right? For sure. The intern one's not hard. It, you know, there was nothing from a true recruiting that was like, oh, this is a game changer. It's just really, you know, some of it is, you know, if you're used to, you know, recruiting really hard level positions, like, hey, they don't have that, like, you're talking to somebody that's been working at a, you know, restaurant or, you know, like being able to help them understand that, you know, you're maybe looking for more potential than somebody that has seven years of experience and you're asking them to, you know, how do they code or whatever it is, right? So those kind of things. So, and it was more around just the, the fundamentals of how the program works and, 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 you know, those particular pieces of it. But I think that helped as well. I think had we tried to get people to be doing both at the same time, it, it would have been too much. It would have been overwhelming, but it was kind of like, hey, you're doing this. Now we've added this. How do you feel? It's good. You, you've figured out how to manage that piece. Now we're going to add this other piece. And, 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 and what was good on that too, right? Like I said, is that the intern piece is not like this year round you have wrecked. It's in two big chunks. And so it's just really like, Hey, that's, that's the part you've got to remember as far as how you're organizing your day. And knowing that it's coming, like, hey, how do I get certain things done faster or whatever? And, and then also, you know, with the recruiters, you know, I, I, recruiters tend to be pretty proud, right? And, and, and at times struggle allowing somebody else to work on their customer because their customer's special. And I had a couple of conversations. And I'm like, you know what? I absolutely love that about you. That's great. But the best thing you can do for your customer is letting so-and-so help fill this role and get them done. Doesn't mean that they're going to take your place permanently, but you've got enough stuff. You've got these other things going on and it's important. Let them come in and, you know, pinch hit on this wreck so that it can get filled because it's one that, you know, we have identified can get filled really, really quickly. The challenge is, is your schedule doesn't allow it to get, which is fine because you've got all this other stuff going on. So I think, you know, giving, giving recruiters permission and to ask for help and, and, and making sure that their leaders are consciously looking at their workload and where they are and, and helping to remove obstacles is, is key. Okay. Let's move on a little bit because we hit, we kind of hit the why and the what, a little bit of the how with the training. Let's talk a little bit about communication and support. I'm going to want to take you through three different groups in order. So we'll talk about the HR business partners and what they thought about this change. And I want to talk about communication to managers, knowing that they're part of this and supporting this. And then how the team was working with procurement community sourcing. So you had mentioned all the while, you know, moving from organic, to kind of setting this up formally to setting up the training or whatnot. You had been partnering with the HRB business partner on your side and looking at this. Can you share a little bit about what their thoughts were on this and were they supportive? Do they have questions? What does that look like? 
Yeah, they were really supportive because to be real honest, so that same kind of restaurant example, right, was the same thing was happening to them. So one of their struggles was, okay, who is my point of contact in PA for something? And, you know, just knowing what that was. And so they were really supportive of it because, you know, for them, they just had one. They just had one type of one person to have, you know, a conversation with one person to talk about a total talent strategy or, you know, when certain, you know, especially if you looked at, you know, things like, oh, you know, we do have a contractor or an intern that we want to convert. Well, then it was less like, who do I go to to have that? And so, you know, now what you now, you know, you're moving into where, well, that was the intent all along and, and it's, it's really easy. So they, they were really, really huge advocates for it. And, and I think they, they were probably, they may have been the most excited group in, in the whole thing, just because they're pretty lean and mean and have a lot going on. And so any you could reduce to, you know, a singular single source of you know information for them that's key that's great and again i'm sad teasing me but i'm a big you know relationship matters and who you work with and taking them along right yeah. but now you have another team who says yes this this makes sense i like it i'm having efficiencies they kind of become champions for this change as well and when, so let's talk about the managers right so knowing that you need to kind of get them on, on board. Everyone has their own favorite manager. I remember having right. my favorite recruiting coordinator, my recruiter in the perfect world, I would pick who got to support which rec sometimes. And so sometimes right. letting people, that relationship was tough. So share a little bit about how you communicated with them formally versus informally. Yeah. You know, so, so there were some that we just, you know, whether it was with my leaders or with the HRBPs, at some point in time, I might go into like a broader director or leadership meeting and say, "Hey, here's what we're looking to. Once again, here's the why." I think with the, I think with hiring leaders, especially, it's important to do two things. There, there's certainly the, "Hey, here's what's changing," but equally important is the, "Here's what's not changing," right? Because that's immediately where they go, and, and that's usually once you get to that list. Then it was like, oh, this sounds great, right? It was, it was, because to your point, it's all this, well, what about, am I losing this person and doing this thing and how will they have the time? And it's just like, you know, not my first rodeo, kind of fought through some things here as we did this. And so, yeah, I think once again, I think they, they, you know, kind of really fully embraced it and, and, and just kind of know that, hey, we're, you know, we're thinking, and, and I think too, right, of just, you, you got to, when you're doing something like this, you've got to be, humble enough to, to take feedback and to change, you know, when something doesn't work. And so certainly out of the gate, if there were things that <clears throat> we saw that, okay, wait a minute, this, this person's not maybe having the time to focus on, on a particular customer that likes that, you know, how do we do that? Right. And, and, and how do we, you know, what tools can we give that person? Is it just, is it more about this like, Hey, you just might need to give them more frequent communication to how certain things are going, but but we did that. And then once we kind of got into the position, it was really kind of a simple email copied kind of the HRBP, just kind of so that they knew that that's kind of what we were doing. But, you know, once again, it was like, hey, we're not getting rid of anything. All these big things that you love about all these things, they're all staying the same. All we're trying to do is just be, make it easy. We're just trying to make it easier on you. So I think, you know, when you can explain it that way, I think it really helps. 
Yeah, and I like that because when you think about even just any formal change management, informal and formal, I think, right? What I'm hearing you say, you laid the groundwork, you had your business case, informal as it was. You had partners to say, yes, this makes sense. And then through the relationship you had with the leaders, you went in in person, you chatted with folks, you had different side meetings to understand. I love that you say, it's not just explain what is changing, call out what's staying exactly the same, whether it's their favorite part or not, answer their questions. And then the last piece is really just kind of like that check the box. Here's an email restating what we already talked about, what you ever already said was good. Now you guys can trickle that down and that becomes the, yes, we're going, but it's not the first part. Hey, we're doing these changes. Here's an email. It's you've already done kind of the groundwork from like a person to person behavior, answering the right. question. And then you kind of sign it with that email. And, and where the first part is, is super helpful, right? Is when you have certain departments that are large on all three pillars, right? So, so the impact to them, whether real or perceived is big. That, that, that early conversation is about getting some alignment, but also maybe identifying a couple champions, right? So folks that are like, this is awesome. And so you know that like when you go to send out that memo, they're resending it or they're replying to all within there and saying, this is great news, that, those kind of things. So it, that, that's where that really kind of piece is, is, is you know, you, you know who those folks are and identifying them and realizing, are they going to be a challenger or a champion for you and, and kind of getting that piece kind of lined up. And then I know we were, you know, procurement was is kind of the third kind of piece in that for us. And, and we'd actually been working on that relationship for a while and had really grown it really well because, so while my team is physically 100% active and owns the staff dog relationship, we, we do have a partnership on all others. So we, we, if you will, the contingent workforce program for Southwest. So in our VMS is the system of record for all non-employees. So we are heavily involved in every piece of onboarding. They can't, a, a contingent worker cannot get either access to their facility or network access without going through my team. And then there was often times where we will advise on, with, on like, between supply chain, a department, and even legal on like, okay, the, you know, the, hey, it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, sounds like a duck. It's a duck, you know, it's like, hey, I know you're right. It's really awesome, SOW, and this is really great. You keep saying the word professional services, but this is staff log. So let's talk about that and what can we do? And, you know, and, and, and can we lean in to either help you get this if, if there's a really need for the prop services or if it's, or understanding that like, well, why wouldn't you want to do this step log? Let's figure out how we can remedy it. And, and as with most customers, the biggest group, right, is technology. And so we started meeting and, and what, and technology actually had a VMO as well that, that ran because it's just, there, you know, it was so, so huge there. And, and, you know, what we found was all three people in these roles a three-legged stool, if you will, we're all meeting, we were all meeting, but separately. So the VMO was meeting with procurement and with us, and then we were meeting with procurement. And at one point in time, I was like, hey, maybe we should just all three meet together and so that we're saying the same thing and helping each other out. And, you know, I, I use the analogy of like, because, and, and technology is, can, can be really guilty of this, of the, 
what I call the mom and pop, right? Like they go to mom, didn't get the answer they liked. So now they go to dad to see if they can get a different answer. And, and that was really great because we really, it was amazing how many different things. It's just like, why are you working on that? I already talked to them two weeks ago and said, you couldn't do that. And you'd get like a look like, are you serious or whatever? And so, yeah, so it was a really good partnership, you know, with them where, and once again, where it was like, Hey, I am not, I was really early on just to make sure it's like, as I have, I have zero interest in being in the contract SOW writing business, just FYI, that's all yours, not going to get in your lane, but but where can we help? And we actually ended up a solution where we were able to help with a provider that we were able to bring in that allowed us to do smaller corporate corps because that they were spending so much time, you know, I mean, they have these monster contracts to work on, but they were getting so much traffic for like a one-time engagement of like a three-person company, blah, blah, blah. Well, the thing is, is like, it's almost the same amount of work as if they were working with, you know, some huge monster consulting company. Right. And so just the ability like, Hey, well, let us come in and solve for that. And we actually ended up as a three built a decision tree that they then produced mostly for technology hiring leaders. We would use it in others, but, but that was where it was. It was just like, here's some questions. Once again, as you go to ask yourself getting work done, that just simply would either lead you towards, Staff Og, Prof Services, Managed Service. And here's some important things. And, and there were time and, and what supply chain would get into would be like, okay, if there, if they needed to see like an email maybe from our team that said, hey, Erica, they're coming here. I know that it looks like this. We've already talked to them. And we actually agree based on what they're trying to do that we need to phrase it up. And, and, and I think if we can just change a couple lines like this to that, and I've had to do that with legal. Like I had to actually was on a call earlier this year with legal supply chain and the business and said, yeah, this, I realize this looks, and it is, I, I just said, I'm not going to be you. It is staff all. Here's why we have to do this. Cause part of it was, we're also in a hiring freeze. And so there wasn't like we had dollars, but we don't have headcount. And so just walk them through it. And I go, it's on me. You put my name down. I'm accepting the responsibility for what we're doing here. We'll, we will word it and phrase it in such a way to, to mitigate risk or whatever. But, you know, I, I think that that's really, that was really, really key. And so, you know, we just work really, really well together from that perspective. No, that's great. And we're running out of time, but I do think it's worth, you know, calling out again, it's the idea of you know, the VMO, talent acquisition, strategic sourcing, working together to say what's coming down the line, how are we on the same, same team so they can't mom and pop us. Something that yeah. we didn't have a chance to get to, but I think it's worth saying for the team is, and then Greg's team really working with procurement to say same, same manner style, let's do brown bag lunches. Here's what to look for with staff augmentation. You know, when you see one, two, spelling it out for them, when you see these things, bring us in, right? And making it really, exactly. knowing that not all contract management teams care, even aware of that. And so just again, like the idea of partnership and keeping the lines of trans, uh, communication open, but then arming them with something. But the one question I want to get to, because we got five minutes less is for folks who are listening and saying, okay, again, this all makes sense. 
What are some of the challenges that you would say, it's okay to expect these and you'll, you'll need to reinforce the challenges of kind of making this transformation within an internal team, you know, expect these to happen and just kind of keep pushing through. Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. I, I think one is it's where to the best of your ability analogy, right, is that you want to, you know, think of that you're, you know, you're traveling on the highway, so to speak, and you kind of want to be on cruise control from the, that it's just steady pressure from a messaging from those kind of things versus I'm slamming on the gas, I'm slamming on the brakes or whatever. And I, I think that that's the thing. I think way too many folks either feel like, okay, I can just do this one time and it's adopted. That's just, you know, you know, if you have a large recruiting team like I did, which was, you know, a hundred and some folks, they're not all going to just, they're not all going to hear the same thing. They're not all going to react the same way. They're not all going to move through it at the same piece. And so it's, it's that kind of constant monitoring. It's the ability to clarify. It's the ability to, to remove hurdles with that. I think being able to do that, I think constantly monitoring, you know, that that why piece is really, really important. Like I said, I, I think, you know, one of the things with the recruiters was, you know, hey, you know, because I think that full-time was like, oh my God, you know, I've already got 40 full-time recs and you're going to give me all this. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm giving you all that, but I'm also just took two recruiters off of this team onto your team. And so now we've spread it out a little bit more. So you now don't actually have, you're not working 40 full-time recs anymore. You're only working 25 and now you've picked up this. And so your workload, your overall workload hasn't changed. You're just, you're just getting to wear multiple hats. If you do it right, it will pay you off kind of in the long run. So I think those are the things like just it, it, it is, it's a living and breathing thing. Right. And, and I think the, the worst thing that you can do is just is ever think that it's, you stopped it. Right. And so now as we look at tools or we're looking at process changes, we're looking at it across that whole thing. Right. And go, Oh, wow. So here's a tool. And not only, not only would it help us, you know, with sourcing full time, but probably it can help us source and contingent or it can help us, you know, here's a messaging tool and, and, you know, we, we now are going to use texting. Well, guess what? We could use it for everything. And, you know, it, so it's just, it's, it's being able to do that. But I, I think that's the thing is just never, you're never there. Right. And like I said, and, and that's where the service approach for us is really, because what it allows to ground us is I don't care how great of a year, like all, whatever thing that we did that was amazing and awesome and all those and any records we broke in December, they're still going to determine whether they renew our contract or not. And so not only did we do all those things great, but how efficient and effective were we? And am I a balloon size organization that, you know, or am I doing it, you know, lean and, and those kind of things. So. No, I love it. And again, I think the idea of reinforcing, remembering, yeah, some people, there's an emotional journey for them. You're going to have right. to remind them. It feels like I have so much more to do, but like take them back. Maybe this week it feels like there's a lot, but next week it's going to be different. And reminding them of the why, making sure that they're they're on the page and that you as a leader continue to hold them to the standards that you've set and not going back and forth. Like you'd mentioned, like the brake pedal and the gas, the brake, you stay consistent, they will, they will get their consistent messaging who's going to help reinforce that. So again, yep. I, I really appreciate this has been fantastic. We are, or time goes by fast. We got one minute to go. So thank you for doing this. We'd love to have you back, but stop and take us home. Great. Yep. Thank you all for joining. And this has been a live episode of Contingent Workforce Radio. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of the questions. 
I'm going to say you can message Erica and Greg on LinkedIn, pretty please. <laughs> but I appreciate your workforce radio. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We have interviews with people from Workday, Sales, Thomson Reuters, BP, Facebook, many more. And this week, we're actually be speaking with Colin McDonough from Facebook. In case you want to register this week, same time, AM Pacific. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you.